I picked the topic, but I guess I'm not the best person to talk about fashion, so maybe I'll need to rely a bit on your better fashion taste here, but... Today we're going to talk about... Yeah, we'll talk about Shine. Shein, uh, however, please. I don't even know how to Shein. pronounce it. Shein. Right, break it up. But Shein. I mean... But, okay, do you say Calvin Klein or do you say Calvin Klein? Calvin Klein. Exactly, and it's E-I-N, so... Yeah, but it's... The company thought people would pronounce it as Shein. 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 Yes. Oh, God, okay. No, not Shine. Um, but to be fair, I, I, you know, you say you're not the best to, um, to talk about fashion, but I think um, it's interesting because it's obviously not a old couture brand. It's... Um, it's fast fashion, right? It's um, it's what we consider fast fashion with, you know, H&M, Primark, Zara, all of those uh, fast fashion sort of houses. And so Shein is actually a Chinese brand, right? It was built in China, um, but they've been growing rapidly and, you know, very, very fast. Uh, they're doing their Series E financing in 2020. Um, they had an ex- a valuation of like 15 billion US dollars. Uh, they had sales of around 100 billion uh, RMB, so that translates into like 15 billion US dollars. So they're obviously, you know, they're sizable. But what's even more impressive is like, I remember talking to you about this, right? And you said that you encountered Shein and you had no idea, first of all, that, you know, it was a Chinese brand or whatever, but also you've ordered from them. You didn't have sort of a bad experience let, with let, it. Let, right? let, me, let me rephrase that. My girlfriend ordered yeah. from them. She's a big <laughs> okay. fan of it. I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I never realized where it came from until, until I came across um, this news that this was a, a Chinese company, right? I, now, yeah. When I saw this, I was like, oh, wow. I have literally so many bags and so many packages being delivered to my house with jeans <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the past number yeah. of years. And like I told you, I literally had like a luggage size of sheen plastic bags because I keep them to to pack clothes and and, and, and whatsoever, right? They're they really good Ziploc bags. I, I can tell you for that. So they're, <laughs> they're, they're pretty good quality Ziploc bags. So they are good for like, I yeah. use it for my packings and stuff for, for winter clothes. So, so here's the interesting part, okay? It's not so known in China and Asia yeah. than in the West. Yeah. Its main target market is Europe, is Middle East, it's America, it's in the US, right? And it's less well-known in Asia. Because I've never heard of it. Like, I've never heard of it in China. And, you know, like, when I think about the the local champions when it comes to fast fashion or whatever, I think, you know, despite all of the little shops that you'll find on Taobao and everything, where, you know, a lot of people would buy their clothes from, uh, one of the biggest would be Halan Tujia, mm-hmm. which is one of the, you know, growing chain of fashion and they sponsor tons of TV shows, so they're, like, everywhere. But it's true that Shein was a very unfamiliar name and then you know when we looked into it it's it's actually founded in 2008 so it does go back a little bit it's not like it's a brand new brand yeah i mean they've been they've been working sort of you know somehow somehow from from what i understand is that this is a brand whereby they really try to keep a low profile they've been very mysterious Mm -hmm. for a number of years you know they've been trying to position themselves as sort of a a social market platform a social Mm -hmm. market uh, so sorry, social media platform uh, shop, right? Instead of being a fast yeah. fashion brand because the real idea that they're trying to do is to penetrate the market without awaking mm-hmm. the giants. Just just imagine right. if you have Zara knowing that there's this huge Chinese brand coming about years ago, back in like 2012, 2013, 2014, they would have taken actions. They would have, 
you know, change their strategy. You know, big H&M would have played differently. Zara would have played differently to, to fight against all this, you know, this, this new, 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 new competitor. All right. Yeah. But right now, it managed to secretly, I mean, sort of go under the radar to build up such a skill that it's mm. almost, uh, you know, sizable. Some, it's at a valuation, it's at a skill whereby it can compete with major players like mm-hmm. Zara, H&M, and these are extremely, you know, brands that have done extremely well in the past decade. They have defeated, you know, the more more traditional brands like Gap, you know, like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to name old brands. Wow. Okay, <laughs> what, no what other old brands yeah, This is not even off? fashion. I, at this sense, I think at this, at this stage, it's like just common sense, but yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, so like you know, we were talking about the fact that they were valued at fifteen billion, and they they're doing like around fifteen billion US dollars of sales, right? And if you think about Zara, is around twenty billion sales yearly, right? Uh, like um, maybe you know there there might be a bit of a um, margin of error in this number, but you know like let's just say roughly it's around twenty billion. So in terms of scales they're very sizable because Zara is like huge. And the other point, because you talked about the fact that, you know, they wanted to play a little bit down low. They, you know, they didn't want to go face to face directly with Zara or H&M to not be killed in the basket. I think the other point as well is that the biggest thing that strikes me, especially when I see these numbers, right? When I see the valuation, when I see the sales number, the first thing that I think about as well is that they don't have any brick and mortar shop, or at least not that I'm aware of. They, they don't. They're, they're purely e-commerce, right? And they yeah. really, they, they, they market themselves through social media, through influencers on TikTok, on, on Instagram. And I think that, that differentiates, yeah. you know, um, this company, Sheen, from yeah. Zara, from H&M. Yeah. Think, I think one quick thing when, when you roll back about when you talk about the history of of fast fashion or fashion in the, in the past decade right you, you see that Zara H&M defeated you know the, the, the major players Gap and whatsoever because they were fast fashion they, they produced a lot more trendy clothes you know they, they could catch up with the speed they produced affordable wear right and this was how they actually took, took over the market and here Shein is doing the similar trick to Zara at a much faster pace. And, and why I say that is that Shein is producing clothes at you know, half Zara's price. It's producing clothes at like $20, $30, much more affordable to the, to the young, to the, to the, to the Gen, Z, Gen Z population. And you know, in, if you just talk about number of SKUs now, if you think Zara or fast Zara has about you know, 10, 10, 12, 20,000 SKU or 20,000 SKUs, Shein has yeah. like 150,000 SKU. Every day it produces about 3 to 4,000 SKUs. Do you want to do you want to explain what SKUs are? Um number of items being listed on your stalls. I mean, so SKU stands right. for stop keeping unit, which essentially is, you know, the um it usually refers, you know, as when you talk about logistic and inventory, but obviously it's the um, it's a sort of turnaround that you have in your uh, in your inventory and and the stock keeping that you're essentially having on hand. At, it's it's at essentially all times. the number of units that you're selling. Num- sorry, number of items yeah. that you're selling, individual items that you're selling, right? Yeah. So 
you know, from, from this aspect, it's outplaying Zara and H&M, all these so-called fast fashion players, in being the new fast fashion trend. <laughs> what do you mean, the so-called fast fashion players? <laughs> because, they're like the OG. Yeah, because ex- exactly, like, right? Know? Because they're the OG fast fashion. But then when you think of sh- yeah. how fast Shein is, and you're look, really looking at Zara, and you're like, are they still considered fast fashion now? Because they are redefining what is fast in the industry. And, 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 yeah. and how they do it is essentially not going to the to the supplier and say we're going to produce 10,000 pieces of this they are pretty yeah. much launching um, let's say sending clothes to influencers and then putting maybe maybe producing 100 pieces and if you start selling well yeah. immediately yeah. churn out the production rate for that and the turnaround time is insanely quick well, because it's much easier to change your HTML page online with the newest product uh, you know especially how if you do it dynamically then going to all your brick and mortar store and then changing all the closes exactly so exactly the the reaction time to custom feedback the reaction time to 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 new analytics of how customers shop you know being an online e-commerce platform completely online e-commerce platform has this pure advantage of speed yeah and that's definitely one point i think you know another point that i do wanted to mention is that you know people might not be as familiar with is the very dynamic nature you know and the responsive nature of the whole supply chain and manufacturing sort of scene that you have in china it's one thing to know that you know looking at the data that you that you're collecting from the e-commerce website that you own that you know certain products these are like the items that the consumers would go for and therefore you know those will be included in the next sort of designs but it's another thing then to translate that into a real product. You know, you need to go to the manufacturing, then you need to sort out the whole supply chain. The manufacturing line uh, will have all these sort of requirements about the mold and the inventory and everything. But because China is such a manufacturing hub, like the whole ecosystem is so fast and it's so easy to get a new product out the door. You know, this form of responsiveness is really unique. And it comes from the fact that China has been the manufacturer of the world for so long that, you know, Xi'an being based in China and being part of the whole ecosystem is able to bring this into their business. I think you definitely raised a very good point. And and I think that's how Xi'an actually really differentiates itself. Because if if you're aware of how how, where all its supply chains located, most of its suppliers are located really close to its headquarters. Right? So... It's some, somehow instead of having having to contact a supplier that's like in India or Vietnam or wherever, you know you have all the suppliers that you have the advantage whereby your the suppliers around you are still affordable in terms of labor cost in terms of um, you know the, the cost that they used to, the, the cost or cost of production is still affordable. So you are able to respond very quickly, right they, they keep a very strict stringent and, and strict um, supply chain criteria yeah. Right, the suppliers must be able to respond in a in a in a in a matter of hours, mm. and be able to start ensuring production run run the production line start running for certain products because that's how fast they churn analytics and they would be like okay today this is the best selling item we are selling let's say you know this is ten ten thousand pieces has gone out we need to produce another hundred thousand more in the next twenty four hours yeah because demand is picking up 
Boom. Uh, moving on to trucks, because apparently we haven't talked enough about trucks on last episode. Um, Chinese truck startup Truck Alliance files for a 1.5 billion US listing, which is a sum that I would love to have on my bank account. Uh, you want to you wanna recap That's on this? That's a lot of cash you would be holding on the bank account. Hey, um, I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Not not financially uh, advisable for you to hold that much cash, but okay. Just saying, um, Truck Alliance is the probably the leading online road logistics platform in China. Yeah, right. Uh, it's probably the world largest dis- digital freight uh freight platform, right? And it spans over three hundred countries, operates over a hundred thousand routes in China. So just a bit of background. I think I think we talked about trucks uh last week on about too simple. Uh, today, today we are going back about on trucks again because I, I, I think I really want to say this tr- logistics industry is going through a revolutionary time like what we have seen in Ubers mm-hmm. right? and there's so much value to be extracted from this industry because like, like we said logistics sticks up to about 13% of, of um, GDP, you know, GDP yeah. right? in, in China and in other countries, it's seven to eight percent. Let's say in Southeast Asia, in Indonesia, it's about twenty over percent. Yeah, but Indonesia so, is like, it's. I mean, it's all islands. I mean, I'm I'm surprised exactly, it's not fifty percent of their GDP. It's like <laughs> trying to get anything across. It just seems so complicated. But yeah, sorry. So if you can even solve the logistics problem in, in Indonesia, you can go anywhere. Yeah, it's like if you want to succeed at logistics, start in Indonesia, and then you, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. They're like having Google oh. trucks, and they're going to islands. Okay, but that that's. That's another topic we can even touch on in another day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so about about a bit about truck truck alliance. I think um, if you think about okay, so let me give you a bit of numbers first. Yeah, it has about two point eight million truckers registered, with one point three million shippers posting yeah. orders on the on the company platform, right? right? And in terms of the transaction that it has carried out, it's about twenty seven billion in twenty twenty. Yeah, that's that's just you know casual <laughs> yeah not, not, not a big amount just 27 billion and when you think about thing. it they've only been found they've been they're founded in 2017 right so they're not even that old they're pretty recent uh ob- they're obviously backed by like the biggest name that you can think about and vc like sequoia tencent and uh, nightspeed so they, they've got a clearly a very impressive not only background uh, and backings but you know they've got the numbers to support, and now they're filing for an IPO on the um on the New York Stock Exchange for one point five billion US dollars. So they're they are clearly dominating it. And and reason why why this is a very interesting company is because, like I said, this is more of the middle mount delivery, the middle mount logist, the middle mount logistics of of you know trucking. It probably is the less exciting part as compared to to last mile, which is very fam- which is very familiar, very hyped up. <laughs> you keep saying that um, the last mile is like the most exciting. Yes, because <laughs> not, not the most exciting, but the most talked about. Right, it's more visible to to consumers because you do see your career yeah. sending goods to you and whatsoever. But you don't you don't know you don't really know what's going on behind when it comes to middle mile delivery. I and think it's also because the last mile is the the hardest to solve because it's the least sort of predictable, right? Because there are so many terrains, so many different routes, and therefore there are so many funky solutions like drones, like robots, that that's why it makes it a bit more funky. 
Quite so so back to back to back yeah. to Millamal, right? Why why this is an interesting company? Because it acts as a, as a disruptor. If yeah. you think about the truck and logistics market in in China or in anywhere, yeah. in most places there are multiple layers of middlemen. Just 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 put it as 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 an example for mm-hmm. a company to want to deliver its goods, unless it's its own fleet, it probably has to go to a middleman who will find you the the truck driver, it be individual or be you know a, a, a company that would do do this do this journey. Yeah. Right. And then there could be multiple layers of middlemen if you want to deliver to specific places. Yeah. So what is coming in, where it's coming is is eliminating all these middlemen, right? Being correct connecting you directly to the truck drivers. Yeah. So the truck drivers cannot pay the additional fees to the middleman. You as the company who is trying to move the goods will not have to pay all the additional fees and you simply go through this platform and reach out to the truck drivers. This mm-hmm. is essentially cutting out all the additional costs that could as layered in with with your with your for your goods. Mm-hmm. Right. It saves you time because it cuts through multiple layers of middlemen. It saves you money as well. Yeah. So there is immense value to be extracted from this. Right. It's a lot more efficient because mm-hmm. you know whenever you have a goods, it'll probably match you with the the most um the truck driver that that's most frequent that frequents that route the most, yeah, and has has has, has a bit more, um, you know, experience with dealing dealing with this route. At the same time, the pricing is transparent as well. Yeah, so this is this is where you see the value from it. And historically, over a number of years, you've seen so many disruptors, mm-hmm. right? They have succeeded because they remove the middleman. They provide transparency to the to the industry to provide efficiency to the industry and i think this is the next player or next um you know sort disruptor. of industry disrupt industry that will be disrupted yeah I, and i think i think it's it's interesting because i came when i was reading about this i came from a, a bit of a different angle because you obviously and I, and i agree with you right like the disruption because they're providing more transparency there are cutting down the middleman. The other thing I think is also that they're all benefiting from the fact that you've got more, you know, inward, I want to say, sort of business being done, right? So a lot of, um, before was a lot of logistics were much more about exports, but now you've got a lot of, you know, internal consumptions going on in China. The rise of the middle class is, you know, obviously being felt, um, not just in China, but worldwide. But on top of this, the consequences of this is that, especially recently, you see more and more little blend. Oh, little blend. Oh my God, I can't speak. You see more and more little brands, you know, newer brands coming in and selling. And I think this creates, you know, and especially with the rise of e-commerce and the domination of e-commerce, I want to say, uh, it creates a lot of things going around. You know, just just a lot of things going around. And obviously, if you're not part of, you know, JD Logistics and the JD ecosystem or whatever, a lot of these smaller brands or even maybe farmers who are selling their product directly, you know, with the farm to table sort of scheme and everything. There's just a lot of things going on whereby you might not necessarily have the capacity or you might not necessarily have the in-house knowledge to go on the whole sort of logistics side of things. And this just eases the pain. Right, this takes it all away and makes it easier. If you think, if you know about the logistics industry in China, it's actually very, very crowded. 
Yeah. Honestly, it's extremely competitive. Just I think last month, right? Yeah. The largest the largest logistics company, uh largest career company, Shunfeng. Yeah. Uh made a made a huge loss mm. in its first quarter. They sort of engaging price competition in, in career services. Right? And so it's extremely competitive. But from this from this end, this is this is a digital platform, like I said, it's not sort of providing service of career, so it doesn't engage in this price competition. It's being the platform where it takes a cut from these transactions, right? It charges both the, the driver and charges both the customer who uses the platform. So that I think that's that's the that's the attractiveness of this of this of this company and attractiveness of this business model. Um, ultimately. Like you said, there is, in terms of tailwinds that's driving this industry, there is a lot of you know significant tailwinds behind. Um, moving on to uh, the third news, um, because we talked about this. I think it was episode 17, 18. We talked about it before, right? I think we were talking about Horizon Robot- Robotics having a joint venture with Continental Yeah. Um, to produce chips for their smart driving venture. Yes. Exactly, yeah. So Horizon so right now Horizon Robotics is considering a one billion US listing. It's like those numbers are just crazy. But yeah, anyway, go on. I mean, wait, are you living in a world whereby that's you know, true, start, that's start, true. startups are shooting up like like crazy, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But it's it's crazy. It's like this is where I think, you know, Especially when you talk about inflation, people are like, eh, there's not really inflation. And then you, you look at what startup used to raise at seed rounds and when you, what they raise now, and you're like, really? <laughs> no, sorry. I have, to, I have to correct you there. I don't think this is considered inflation. Uh, mm. I, have to, I, have to, I think this is a skyrocketing of valuation. <laughs> um, it's, it's valuation it's, inflation. Yes, valuation inflation. And, and inherently, it's, if you think about where it comes from, it's inherently linked to a stock market. If, if the stock market can produce high returns and, and start pooping, I always want to say pooping, pooping but produce, <laughs> pooping up, I, I think I used to still use the word pooping, pooping up companies that can come up with insane amount of valuation, insane amount of multiples, this is what VCs would benchmark too. Yeah. And you think, and, and investors would benchmark to that as well, is they would think, right, I, I, I would, if I, invest in in a stock market this is a company that is you know would be like 10 times sales and this is normal 50 times sales is normal yeah. right i would use similar multiple to apply into a startup but more than this it's also the fact that there are just so many people who want to put money in there and then you have the um the sort of um auction um not paradox Ex- the, uh, exactly it, it, yeah. it is that as well because you see, the, the the early players would try would maybe maybe put in less at low valuation, and then they would think about how do they exit, right? They would probably yeah. maybe they exit to the sovereign wealth funds, or they would some exit to some pension players or large larger players who would come in at, at series E, series F, series G, whichever. And these players benchmark their returns to yeah. the stock market. No, for right? sure. But anyway, and, this, and is this is how this, so it's, it's not, totally yeah. different topic. But I mean, this, this, this is this is how how it works behind, right? They benchmark yeah. what's the cost of capital, and their cost of capital benchmark is the stock market. So if they would pay this for the stock market, they would be willing to pay such high valuation for for the for for the startup. Because next thing they would do is bring this to IPO and make a good reason from that. That being said, coming back onto Horizon Robotics, uh, just to sort of 
get a quick recap. They are a Beijing-based startup um, founded in 2015 by a former head of Baidu's um, autonomous driving unit. So Baidu is like the search engine of, you know, the biggest search engine in China. Horizon Robotics, they make AI chips, right? And last time we talked about the fact that they were doing this partnership with um, Germany's Continental to essentially make better chips. Yep, for the autonomous venture. Yeah. Uh, and a- apart from German uh, Continental, it's also working with SAIC Motors, which is, which is the largest automaker in China mm. on for processors for, for autonomous cars. So if you think about the autonomous industry and you want an angle in, in, in autonomous industry, I think Horizon Robotics is probably one of the leading players when it comes to AI chips for AV, for, for EVs or I would want to say EVs, but autonomous cars. I don't know. I think it's safe to say EV, right? Usually a lot of like, I mean, autonomous these days is very just correlated to EV, although yeah, yeah. it's true that it's not necessary, right? You could make a, you know, fuel-based, you know, fuel um, sort of car be autonomous as well. But it's true that I think it's all part of this package of like um, for a more sustainable future, for sort of a change. But so what is interesting as well is so the the share sale could happen by the end of the year. And they're all backed by, you know, big names, right? Intel Capital, uh, Hell House Capital, and then Jack Ma's Fund the Yunfeng capital. So they're definitely well-rounded. They are proven themselves. And especially, the, you know, the, the partnership, both with SIC and Germany's Continental, is definitely making them solid. And I think this also comes at a time where it's very interesting because I remember texting you and saying, is anyone not making a car this year? <laughs> you know? <laughs> because, um, I've, so I think, wait, I think Xiaomi is making a car. Uh, I forgot who was making the car when I sent you. I know Badu, you know, they're making their car. Um, oh, Huawei was making the car. That was the news that I sent you. No, wait, no, no, no. no? Is Huawei making a car? Wasn't it Huawei? I think it's no, Huawei making no. a car. Huawei came out to say they are not making a car. And that caused a lot of automakers to uh, stock price to drop. Uh-huh. They, are working on, they are working on the OS for the cars. Or maybe chips for the cars, but they're not making a car. Well, finish the episode here. And, you know, I think the, the, the weeks for today was a bit more like sort of all over the place because we had Shin, which was like fashion retail. We had EVs and um, autonomous AI chip uh, on one side. And then we had truck on the other side, which was not uh, autonomous truck, which was the uh, too simple. Anyway, it's all over the place. Uh, if you want to give us feedback or you just want to say hi, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Although our Twitter account is really just a um, sort of spam <laughs> <laughs> repost of uh, our episodes. But you know, we'll, we might get into it. Uh, at Productive Lazy Sundays, that's the handle on all three platforms. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. <laughs>